Hello, my friends, and welcome to the DDP, the Deeper Daily Podcast for this eighth day of April. I'm your host, Paul White, and I'm so glad you're with me today to go with me into the 46th chapter of Genesis, continuing this journey through the book of Genesis, just hitting the highlights and the stories as we move, and mostly dealing with the big points of the Abraham Isaac Jacob story, and we've been with Joseph now for a few weeks, or a few days at least. There's two real points I want to bring out today. One is specifically uh, in the fourth verse of Genesis 46, where God tells Joseph, I will go down with you to Egypt, and also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. Let's start from the end. Joseph will put his hand on your eyes is a way of saying you will die peacefully in Joseph's presence. Because some translations say Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. It's that that, uh, motion of putting your hand over someone's eyes at death and then closing the eyelids. And to say that this long-lost son that you thought was dead years ago will do that, is this the ultimate celebration for Jacob. But there's also an odd, what appears to be a contradiction in that verse. I'll go down with you to Egypt. I will surely bring you up again and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. How can he bring you up again if Joseph puts his hand on his eyes? In other words, how can I bring, how can God bring him up out of Egypt if he's going to die in Egypt? And so we are either to assume that what the verse is saying is that God was telling that Jacob interpreted it to mean they were going to leave Egypt together with Joseph, or we could interpret it that the word again, which isn't there in the Hebrew, by the way, I will surely bring you up and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. We could make somewhat the argument that maybe what God is saying is I'm going to bring you up with me up, not really a measurement of direction, but spiritually. I'm going to bring you up into the realm of the spirit while you're down there, and Joseph's going to be the one that closes your eyes. Um, those are interesting. I lean to, I will surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes, as it's not as if Jacob thinks God means him, but that God means his. And I say this because to me, this has a more accurate reflection of the context of the way the Bible talks about us corporately. Jacob's an individual, but he has children. Um, In fact, the chapter is about to go list them off. Due to the fact that the chapter is about to go list them off, It makes me think that God is speaking to Jacob as an individual, but he's dealing with the collective. So to say to Jacob, I'll bring you up again, would probably not have been interpreted by Jacob as to mean God will bring me up, but rather God will bring mine up. My family, my children and grandchildren are not going to live in Egypt forever. Another reason why I think that could be the answer is because, here's an example, in the New Testament, Saul of Tarsus is breathing out threatenings against the church in the early chapters of the book of Acts. And he is on his way to Damascus with papers to arrest those 
who claim that Christ is the Messiah. And on his way there, he sees a bright light and a vision of the Lord Jesus standing in the road. And he says, Lord, what have I, you know, what do I have to do with you? And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Which not, probably not coincidentally, by the way, Genesis 46, 2, Jacob, Jacob. Anytime God says the name twice, it's, there's special significance like Absalom, Absalom, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, uh, Jacob, Jacob, Saul, Saul, pay attention. This is big. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Interesting. Why, why do you persecute me? Jesus says. Saul would never have assumed he was persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting these people who called themselves the the church. And yet, from Jesus' standpoint, if you persecute the church, you persecute him. Or, let's say it this way, you may not think you are attacking the him, but you are definitely attacking what's his. And so it could be that way when God says to Jacob, I'm going to bring you up again. It's not as if I'm going to bring you up, but I'm going to bring up what belongs to you. So that leads me to this, and this is our landing spot today. What is it that belongs to him? If you read down from here in Genesis 46, you start to get into the sons, the sons' sons, the daughters, his sons' daughters, all of his descendants. I'm not going to read all of them, but if you'll look at your text from, say, verse 8 all the way down through verse 26, this is all the people who come up with Jacob to Egypt from his body besides Jacob's sons' wives, 66 in all. And the sons of Joseph born in Egypt were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. You get this addition that keeps, you got 66, then Joseph and his wife, then Joseph's two kids, boom, 70. And so 70 is this nice, round, symbolic, covenantal number in Hebrew literature. It's a large, complete number. You see it again in Exodus 24. You see it again in Psalms 90. Uh, It's this group of 70 from which the emerging nation of Israel is comprehended. And here to me is the interesting connection. When you listen to Stephen preach in Acts chapter 7, this is right before Saul's road to Damascus experience, they're going to kill Stephen. They stone him to death. But he recounts Israel's history. And in Acts 7.14, he says that there were 75 people that came into Egypt. Is this a contradiction in the Bible? That Genesis 46 says there are 70, but Acts chapter 7 says there are 75. And the answer is no. It's only a contradiction if you're in the English assuming If you're reading in the English, assuming they wrote it in English and they read it in English, they didn't, so you shouldn't. Stephen was reading from the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament. By the way, all of your New Testament writers were reading from the Septuagint. And the Septuagint adds five sons and grandsons of Manasseh and Ephraim in verse 20, making the total 75, which is exactly what Stephen quotes in Acts 7.14. So that solves that for you. More from this story tomorrow, and we'll announce the Sunday sermon. See you then. God bless.